So today we continue this series on uh, the Ten Commandments, and we'll be looking at two passages of scriptures, one from, of course, Exodus, and then one from James chapter 3. So first, Exodus 20:16, You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And then from James. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers and sisters, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For all of us make many mistakes. Anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, able to keep the whole body in check with a bridle. If we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we guide their whole bodies. Or look at ships, though they are so large that it takes strong winds to drive them, yet they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So, also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great exploits. How great a forest is set ablaze by a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The tongue is placed among our members as a world of iniquity. It stains the whole body, sets on fire the cycle of nature, and is itself set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, uh, can be tamed and has been tamed by the human species. But no one can tame the tongue a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and brackish water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sister, sisters, yield olives or grapevine vig, figs? No more can salt water yield fresh. Let's pray. God, we pray that uh, you would speak to us this, this morning a word of challenge and also a word of encouragement. May we very clearly hear your gospel of grace. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. My uh, life group last week, you know, every week we discussed the sermon, and we were discussing last week's sermon and commandment, and we got into really talking about the entirety of the Ten Commandments, and someone in our group commented that it is amazing how these commandments really cut to the core issues of life, and it really is something, isn't it? It's astounding how something so ancient I mean, when you think about how old these commandments are, it's amazing that they are as relevant today, if not even more relevant, than they were thousands of years ago. Today's commandment is just the same as the rest. It is very, very relevant, wouldn't you say? It is very simple, just like the last couple that we've been looking at. Do not bear false witness against your neighbor. Put simply, really, it is don't lie. So we can now go on vacation. 
But more broadly, really, as we've seen these commandments, you can broaden them for sure. The commandment, this commandment, covers all forms of slander, of libel, gossip, insinuation, and insult. It includes innuendo in failing to speak up against false witness. Really, it, it is saying, live honest lives. Like the previous couple of commandments we have looked at, this one deals with our interpersonal relationships. And really what it is saying is, use your words to build people up and not to harm your relationships. It's, it's interesting to me that that little uh, phrase from the fourth commandment, honor your parents. Remember that? Weigh heavy your parents. Take them seriously. Respect them. I think those, those words really carry through to all these interpersonal commandments. Respect people, no matter who they are. Take them seriously. Weigh heavy other people. And one of the ways we do that is with our words. Easy, isn't it? Easy, so easy to see uh, the implications that this commandment has for our lives today. Because, oh my gosh, we live in a world, right? Where words have become so cheap. And one in which we um, are bombarded every day with lies and gossip and slander. We hear words now, really, and look at videos, right? I'm thinking about this war in Israel and Gaza. We don't know if the video we're looking at is a real video or one created by AI. So we're very suspicious about words, and we don't really, today more than ever in my lifetime, we don't really know what to believe or who to believe. And bringing it down to a personal level, for sure, oh, we have all struggled at some point in our lives with this commandment. We have all broken it, no doubt. In fact, I am willing to go out on a limb here and agree with the words of James that controlling our tongue or mastering what comes out of our mouths is something that all of us have a difficult time doing all the time. I mean, we have all said things, right, that we wish we hadn't. We have all used words to injure another person, to tear them down. I am pretty sure that all of us have maybe said half-truths or have been an accomplice to spreading a rumor that is injurious to another person. We've all struggled with angry words, sometimes to those whom we love most, our children and other loved ones, perhaps crushing their spirits. And maybe sometimes we have said, thing that, said things that create a mess in a friendship and have broken a confidence and eroded trust. You know, I always think of that famous children's sermon. I'm sure you've seen it, uh, where the pastor will get a tube of toothpaste and squeeze some toothpaste out and then say, can we get this back in? And they have a toothpick, toothpick, and they try to get it back in. It's impossible, right? 
well, what's the sermon about? You can't put words back. Isn't that a great children's sermon? You can't. Once they're out, once the toothpaste is out of the tube, you can't put it back in. I don't know about you, but there's many times in my life when I have said to myself, I wish I could just keep my big mouth shut. In short, our mouths can get us into a lot of trouble, and this is what James says at the very beginning of this passage. For all of us make many mistakes. And as I thought about the Ten Commandments, man, this is the one we may break the most, this and the uh, keeping the Sabbath. It is really hard to control. But anyone who makes no mistakes in speaking is perfect, James says, able to control the whole body as well. You know, it's interesting this word perfect here is, is really translated completely mature. Completely mature. If you can control your tongue, you will be able to control your whole life, James says. It's not so easy, is it? You know, James is kind of a book of wisdom, really, and so he gives us some little bits of wisdom in this chapter. And the first bit of wisdom from this passage is the tongue is small, but it's, it's mighty. It's not something that we think of very often, but man, the tongue, it's compared to other uh, parts of the body, it's very small. Um, and yet, tremendous power. The world can be changed by words, correct? And then he uses a few quick illustrations to make his point. He says, look at a, a bit in a horse's mouth. Here is this huge animal. I looked up, I googled today, how big is a horse? How much does it weigh? A thousand to over two thousand pounds. Isn't that amazing? And yet this little bit controls this huge animal. Or what about a rudder on a ship? You know, you look at those ships, those container ships in the bay, huge. You wonder how they, how they stay afloat. And yet, the thing that it controls it, just this little rudder. James also says that the tongue can cause great destruction. He uses the illustration of a fire. You know, we all know that fires always start by a little spark, most likely. A lawnmower hitting a rock sending out a spark that starts a fire that can, can destroy hundreds of thousands of acres and homes and even lives. So James warns us. He says, you know, the tongue is small but mighty, and a few words can set off an inferno in our lives and in the lives of others. So that's the first bit. The second bit, that wisdom that James gives us about words, is this. He says that our words have power for good and our words have power for evil. Wow, so true, huh? Some of us carry wounds from years ago, from words that were spoken to us. Wounds caused by unkind words. And some of us still crave deep in our hearts words that should have been said to us but never were. Words can destroy or words can build up. 
they can discourage or they can provide great motivation. They can harm, but they, they can also heal. They can delight and they can devastate. James says this, he says, you know what? We can use our words to bless our Lord and Father and the next moment we can curse others who have been made in the very likeness, the image of God. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. Interesting, isn't it? It's really something to think about, that our words can do something as amazing as move the heart to God, the heart of God, to please God. And we can also use the same mouth to curse, to literally put down men and women who are created in the image of God. You know, I have seen some words, and you know, interesting that the New Testament, there are numerous passages that talk about words and the words that we use in gossip. And part of the reason is the early church was struggling with gossip. Thank God we don't struggle with gossip today in the church. <laughs> you know, Christians really don't gossip. They just share prayer requests, right? <laughs> or show concern. Oh, you got to pray for so-and-so. I am so concerned. Did you hear about da-da-da? <laughs> so nice to let others know that we are in the know, and yet in the process, wow, churches can be destroyed by gossip. Words can tear down and they can build up. You know, I remember years ago watching... Uh, an interview with President Obama, and he talked about a professor that he had at Occidental College. You know, the first two years of college, he went to Occidental down in Los Angeles. And this professor asked Obama to come to her office, and they went in, and she had a conversation with him, and she said, you know what, you got to quit goofing around. God has given you tremendous gifts and you're wasting them. So quit goofing around and get serious about something and do something, you know, that equals the gifts that God has given you. And then he transferred to Yale, and we know the rest of the story. Words can turn around a life. So, James says, control your tongue and use it for good. Easier said than done, isn't it? What's James saying? I think that, you know, when he talks about every kind of beast and bird is tamed, every reptile and sea creature has been tamed, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Wow, that's a strong statement, isn't it? Really strong. What's he saying? I think he's pointing to a deeper problem. It's just not the tongue. There's something else we have to fix. You see, words are not just what comes out of our mouths. They are what comes out of our hearts. And this is what James 
is getting at when he says, you know, does a spring pour forth the same opening from the same opening, fresh water and brackish? Or can a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine figs? No more can salt water produce fresh water. What, what is James saying here? He's saying what comes out of our mouths is a reflection of what's in here, in our hearts. Our words are a reflection of our soul, of our internal being. Jesus talked a lot about this. It was a big deal for him. He once said, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he often went head to head with the Pharisees, who had everything under control. And externally, were righteous. But inside, their hearts were dark. And see, these are the words, you know, this is, when you think about Jesus interacting with people, it was the Pharisees, these teachers of the law, that Jesus had the harshest words for. And why? Because they were hypocrites. They were play-acting. They were trying to be somebody that they weren't. Their insides did not match their outsides. Harsh words reveal an angry heart. A critical mouth reveals a bitter heart or a hurt heart. And negative words often reflect a heart full of fear. On the other hand, you know, gentle words... What? Loving words reflect a loving heart. Encouraging words reflect a happy heart. And from a heart full of grace come gracious words. Wouldn't you agree? So the problem with the tongue goes much deeper than just controlling our tongue. An out-of-control tongue is a more serious problem than you might think. It reveals a heart that needs to change, that needs to maybe be healed. Can we control our tongue? No, that's impossible. Can we change our hearts? That's even more impossible. Can it be even more impossible? I guess not. I guess if something's impossible, it's impossible, right? Help me out here. I'm asking for help. (laughs) You see, what we need... And what Christianity is about is a change from the inside out. And what is needed is not just controlling our tongue, but a heart transplant. We need something bigger than ourselves to control our tongues and control so much of our lives. And also to change our hearts. And what we need is the power of God in our lives to change us from the inside out. You know, after spending so many weeks exploring the Ten Commandments, it's law. It's easy to think that being a Christian is about being a really ethical person, a really good person. 
And you also see that being a Christian is impossible, especially when we look at those verses from the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus is commenting. It's his commentary on the the New Testament, his interpretation. He says, oh, it's not just what's on the outside. And he gets to the motivation of the heart, and we realize, don't we? We can't measure up. We can't do it. You see, this is really important. I hope you listen here, because this is, if you don't ever hear anything else I say, (laughs) listen to this. And I mean this. Christianity is not about trying really hard to be a really good person and to keep all these laws and to keep control of our life. It's not about trying harder to be a good person. See, Steve Main always teases us pastors and he says, you know, you guys all, your sermons are all the same. They're just about encouraging the people to be better people. (laughs) And I'm not going to do that today, Steve. Where is he? Oh, there he is. I'm not going to encourage you to be a better person, me to be a better person. You know what I'm going to encourage you to do? Open your heart up to the love of God. And realize you can't be a really good person. But the love of God can turn you into a really good person. Do you see the difference? Trying to be a really good person all the time wears you out. Tiring. I've been down that road. And you know what? You never feel like you measure up. And you never feel like you're quite good enough. And you can't get control of your life. Well, here's a paradox. You know, Christianity is full of paradoxes. Here's perhaps the greatest one. Christianity doesn't have to do with getting control of your life. Instead, it has to do with giving up control of your life to God. And we go right back to the very first commandment. Giving control of your life to God, who is trustworthy, who is good, who always tells the truth, and whose power will transform you from the inside out, not just controlling your tongue, but helping you overcome an addiction, helping you love your spouse in the way that you want to love your spouse, helping you to be a good parent, helping you to be honest, to live an honest life. You see, I've heard it said before that becoming a Christian is really simple. You just have to bow twice. First time you bow is in humility to admit your need, to confess that you need God's power in your life. The second time you bow is in gratitude, to give thanks that we can be honest with God and that God loves us just as we are. And what this commandment is really saying is God wants us to live honest lives, to be free from having to live in pretense, to pretend like we have it all together when we don't. We don't have to play deceptive games with God. God loves us just as we are. The good news of Christianity. 
You don't have to do it yourself, whether it's beating an addiction or healing your marriage or controlling your tongue. God's power is there for you. And you can be honest. In fact, this table that we come to today, you know what it is? It's a table of honesty. The only requirement to partake in this meal is to admit your need for God's grace in your life. We can bring who we are and receive the food that we need to live this new life in the power of God. Amen.